Coming up, is there science behind luck? The answer is yes. And I'll tell you what you can do to change your luck. And then we'll break down what wealthy means in America in 2023. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life so that you're winning in other areas of your life. I'm Ken. This is The Ken Coleman Show. So is there science behind luck or is it truly this just random thing? You know, oh, that guy's so lucky or she's so lucky or oh, she was in the right place at the right time and a horseshoe fell on her head. Is that how luck works? What do you think? Well, I'm going to tell you how luck actually works. I love this kind of stuff. I'm always reading things and, and studies and and things of this nature. And uh, so let's let's break down luck, first of all. So luck defined is good fortune brought about by chance. Good fortune brought about by chance. So what if science says it's more good fortune brought about by good habits? Or, I wrote this down, what if it's good fortune brought about by increasing your chances? Oh, think about that. If you're in a raffle for whatever your local charity is and you buy more tickets, then your chances of winning go up. So what about in our professional lives? Good fortune, good things happen to us. What if we increase our chances of luck by our discipline, by our habits? Is it possible? The answer is yes. So a lot of people have a fixed mindset, though, about luck. We just believe that the opportunities that we get or that other people get are completely out of our control. As I said, it's like the old horseshoe falling out of the sky and landing in your back pocket. Whoa, looky there. What do you know? I mean, and, and that's and that's what people who just play the lottery are thinking. Well, maybe it's gonna be me this time. <laughs> How many of you come on, let's be honest for a second. How many of you, even though you know the odds are like one in 836 billion or whatever it is. When that jackpot gets a certain number, you go, I'm feeling lucky. And you buy a ticket because you go, it could happen to me today. But that's the kind of silly thinking that has actually nothing to do with luck. In fact, that kind of thinking, that kind of acting will continue to put you in a place where you feel like you aren't lucky. So, According to research by psychology professor Richard Wiseman, uh, here are a few takeaways that I that I got from his research. So what does science say about luck? Are there some things that we can do to make our luck better? The answer is yes. One is be open to meeting new people, connecting, connecting, connecting. Research revealed by Wiseman luckier people have significantly higher extroversion scores on personality tests. So they're out there meeting. It could be just showing up at a local pizza place, talking to the person in line in front of you or behind you, and boom, some connection happens and an opportunity presents itself. That's just at its core, the extroverted connection open to talking to, open to meeting people. Interestingly enough, turns out that luckier people smile twice as much as unlucky people. So if you're smiling more, guess what? Maybe you're more approachable. I think you are. Maybe you look more trustworthy. 
maybe in an interview, you're up against somebody and you're just more winsome. You're just happier. You're smiling more. And they go, well, the other person probably a little bit more qualified, but gosh, sure did like hanging out with that other person. They were just so pleasant. Maybe that's why you get the gig. Luckier people also make eye contact with others and ask good questions. Again, this is about likability. The more likable I am, the more lucky I am. Alex, that is a mind-blowing idea. Here's what we take away. These traits that I just walked through, these, these actions, encourage positive so, social connections, which then create opportunities that may not have been there if you weren't so stinking likable or if you didn't ask a good question. So we know this opportunity comes through new people. You've heard the old phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So get in proximity. Introverts, you can do this. It may be hard. You may not be able to do it as much as an extrovert like me, but you can do this. Here's another one. Be open to meeting new people is one. How about be open to new experiences? Learn to say yes. Learn to capitalize when an opportunity comes where you go, I don't know. Do I really need to do this? But this is kind of neat. It's a neat experience. Maybe I should do it. Maybe I should say yes to more experiences. And you get in and you learn something. You do something. You're able to meet people. The idea here is open-minded. Open-minded to new opportunities. Flexible. Don't get so hung up in your rhythms and your routines that you miss opportunities that are right in front of you going, hello. And you're like, well, it doesn't fit my schedule and blah, 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 blah. Here's another one. Another action. So we said, be open to meeting new people. We said, be open to new experiences. How about trying to be a resilient optimist? Now, this is a mindset that you're going to have to really force yourself, some of you. Some of you a little bit more optimistic than others. I tend to lean towards the optimistic, you know what, I'll hang around, I'll hang around, I'll hang around, I'll, I think it could change, I think it could change, I think it could change, I think it could change. And sometimes it gets me in trouble, but it also sometimes keeps me in the game long enough to where something pops. The idea here is look for the silver lining. Even if you can't see it, look. Trust that there is a lot of positive outcomes in your future. This is interesting. It's all perspective. One story from Richard Wiseman's research that really <laughs> made me chuckle. Uh, one of the men that he was interviewing in the course of the study had broken his leg. And so Richard naturally said, do you feel that you're unlucky? I mean, that's a bad break. And the man said, not at all. He said, because the last time I ended up in a hospital, <laughs> he met a nurse who turned out to be his future wife. So there's a guy that goes, you know what? I was in the hospital for something that sucked. And then I meet a great nurse who ends up being my wife. Begs the question, I wonder if he got a sponge bath out of that. I digress. I digress. But you, it, the inquiring minds want to know what happened in that in, engagement in the hospital room to where we go, maybe we should see each other outside of this when I get checked out. I don't know. It's just the way my brain works, guys. <laughs> but but, but he has reason to go, you know what? Something bad happened to me, and then something good happened to me. And he says, if I hadn't broken my leg, I don't meet my wife. 
Isn't that an interesting perspective? Is it possible that this negative thing that is happening to you now is positioning you for something good to happen? Gotten laid off, gotten fired, maybe you've gotten overlooked, and the signals are saying, I shouldn't be here any longer. Instead of going, well, my life sucks. I'm the unluckiest person in the world. I'm going to retreat to the corners of life. I'm going to get on the bleachers, and I'm just going to do my best to get through this. Maybe you go, you know what? There's a silver lining here. Maybe I got laid off because there's something better out there. Maybe I've gotten passed over because I'm not supposed to be in this company, and I'm supposed to go somewhere else. Maybe maybe all of the crap I've been going through over the last period of time has been preparing me for the next season. So here's the point. Don't sabotage your own potential by thinking that your opportunity for goodness in any area of your life, not just professional, don't don't sabotage your potential by just thinking that you're limited, that, that the goodness coming your way is fixed. I'm unlucky. I'm just one of those people that I just can't get anything to go my way. And that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm here to tell you that I think today we've shown you that those specific actions that I just walked you through can change your luck. There's science behind luck. It's not dumb luck. It's actually intentionality that turns into opportunity. And other people look and say, wow, you are so lucky. And what we really know is you're not really lucky. You're just intentional. You're an opportunity machine. This is the Ken Coleman Show. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, one way to win at work is to do work that you care deeply about. Like you actually give a crap about it. It's meaningful. But what do you do? How do you do that? Well, you got to dig. You got to figure out what is that? What is in my heart? So I ask people all the time, who are the people you really want to help? So you got to spend time on that. So how would you spend maybe an extra hour a day? Is it about reading a book, listening to a podcast like this or something else? Is it a new skill? Is it coffee with a mentor? Is it yoga? Maybe, maybe not. But can I make a suggestion? If this is about the heart and doing meaningful work, I think therapy can help you find what really matters to you. Your life, your life experience, environment you grew up in, pains, victories, that shapes your heart. And if you're thinking about therapy as, well, I just got to have something really bad going on in my life, I think you're missing it. I want you to try better help. Just try it. Therapy isn't just for people who are going through trauma. It's really great for awareness, self-awareness, to be able to build skills, to take that awareness and transfer it into work that really matters to you. And boy, will that change your life and your income. BetterHelp's awesome because they're flexible enough to fit your busy schedule. And it's all online. You fill out a short questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no cost. Listen, folks, I do regular therapy. I can't endorse it enough. It's about awareness, and awareness is a superpower. So make time for what makes you happy. Use your time with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken.
Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show, where our whole entire aim is helping you win in your work life. That means more money, more meaning, and let me tell you something. When you have more money and more meaning, watch the rest of your life improve. Relationships, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, just watch. You were created to work, I promise you. And so if you're not doing that thing that you know you were designed to do, you are your soul is suffering. It's that simple. Uh, if you're enjoying the program, will you help us grow? Would you like the video you're watching? Would you subscribe to our YouTube channel? Would you share? And if you're listening via podcast, would you follow us? Would you give us a five-star review? And would you share? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. What is going on in the near future about your income? Let's talk about income. We're going to talk about income. We're going to talk about benefits uh usa today the job market may be shifting again with more companies mulling fewer raises in 2024 nearly half of business leaders surveyed this month by resumebuilder.com said they will not give cost of living adjustments to employees next year this is in 2024 and 26 percent said they either won't or may not give raises at all of those companies who say they will give a cost of living adjustment, 48% said the bump will be of 3% or less. Now, it's very standard that cost of living raises have been in the 3% range for many, many years. And we saw inflation in 2022 uh, much, much higher than that, starting to cool off a little bit. But it is significant for those of you who go, you know what, if I'm relying on a cost of living raise next year to help me not live paycheck to paycheck, I got news for you. You're going to feel some pain. When asked um, by their employers if they wanted different benefits or what benefits they enjoy the most. I'm moving on to another topic here. This is fascinating. Um, Workers said they wanted an emergency savings account as a job benefit. So this is beyond traditional retirement, like a 401k and a match, right? Uh, so when so when employees were asked what they would do with the extra money, uh, a benefit from their paycheck, they said they would put $600 provided by an employer. Excuse me, I'm sorry. They were asked, what would you do with the extra $600 provided by an employer? And workers said, this is from an EBRI survey, they said they would spread it out. $192 towards funding retirement, $171 to an emergency savings account, and $89 toward a health savings account, followed by paid time off, college savings, and paying down college debt. About 42% of employees want to be automatically enrolled in an emergency savings account through their employer. So much like your health savings account, your 401k, the idea is, is your employer automatically takes it out of your check. And, and and so this is the idea of you do it and I forget it. It's a forced discipline. And it works with wonderfully with health savings account. It works wonderfully with retirement accounts. So now employees are saying we want an emergency savings account. Now I find this very interesting because for years Dave Ramsey has talked about uh, in the seven baby steps, that baby step one is an emergency fund, and and we cap it at $1,000 just to take care of some of your basic emergencies. And and then you move through baby step two, paying off all of your debt, smallest debts to largest debts, 
Then once you're out of Baby Step 2 and Baby Step 3, we're now going to increase the emergency fund from $1,000 to three to six months months of your living expenses. So this is interesting. Now people are going, I need the help. Just take it out of my check, right? Just go ahead and before I get my check, just like you take out taxes, just like you take out Social Security, just like you take HSA, just like you take out retirement, they want people to take out, they want their employers to take out money for an emergency fund. Research from the Bipartisan Policy Center found that just 10% of employees offered these benefits in 2022, but this is a new trend. The passage of SECURE 2.0 legislation last year also gives employers more flexibility to offer emergency savings accounts starting next year, 2024. As much as 3% of an employee's paycheck can be automatically placed into an emergency savings account up to a total of $2,500. So this is between the range of what we at Ramsey Solutions recommend, a $1,000 emergency fund before you start paying off debt. And then after all debt is paid off, we want to see you get three to six months expenses, which is obviously going to be well beyond $2,500. But it is a start. It is a start. And I think it's good. I think it's helpful. But you can't leave... Don't limit yourself. If you're willing, here's the point I'm making. If you're willing to say to your employer, I want you to take out of my paycheck an amount up, and then once we cap at $2,500, I want you to put that in a savings account. Great, but don't stop there. Don't stop there. You need to be paying yourself every paycheck beyond this. Do you need this? You don't need it. I think some people are so undisciplined, they're just like, I got to get my life straight. Just take it from me because I don't have control. And I'd rather you get control and go, all right, I could be saving way more than $2,500 in a year. If when I get my paycheck, I say, all right, I'm going to live on less than I make, which means I'm going to take a certain amount every month and I'm going to save if I have no debt. But it's important to point out what we teach at Ramsey Solutions that you need every dollar, including 401k and health savings account and emergency fund. If you're in debt, don't have your employer withhold any of that. That all needs to be coming to you so you could put every penny towards debt elimination. And then once you pay the debt off, watch yourself watch yourself stack savings. Now, this is a great story, Alex. Levi's. Anybody wear Levi's in there? I haven't worn a pair of Levi's in a long time. Do you wear Levi's? Alex does. I guess they're kind of cool and hip again. You're cool. I mean, you wear their skater shoes and all that, so Alex is cool. Uh, Levi's store in Lone Tree, Colorado. There is a perk that the manager, Deborah Ward, says is the most popular perk. And that is the company emergency savings program like I've been discussing. If store workers save $40 per month, Levi's will match that with another $40 per month. In addition, they get a $20 sign-on bonus. Now, what's the whole point of this? Levi's has been running this program since 2015. But in recent years, they have decided to partner with BlackRock Emergency Savings Initiative, which helped Levi's uh, present this incentive 
in a more creative way. Uh, a BlackRock spokesperson said, ultimately, we're trying to get people into the set it and forget it mindset to get people to set aside money every month. Again, I think that's great. But it just needs to be a start. Get yourself in a rhythm of going, okay, I can live on less than I make. And if you got your company taking it out, I think this is a good exercise for people who, to this point, feel like, I can't do it on my own. I need help. Since Levi's relaunched this emergency savings program with BlackRock a year ago, the company has attracted about 1,250 participants in the program. Altogether, the company's emergency savings initiatives have included more than 3,000 employees with about $1.2 million in savings. So this is good. And I bring this up because it's tied into your income. Now watch. Look, do I do I think that this this report from USA Today that that says this survey that, that leaders are saying they're not going to give out as many cost of living raises, they're not giving them out at all. If they do give them out, it's only going to be 3% and inflation is still up and down right now. Do I think that's going to happen? Yeah, probably I do. But here's the issue. The reason, the reason there's so much angst in the world of work today is we think our employers are supposed to make sure that they keep up with our spending habits. And that's an unpopular opinion. But you make enough. You can adjust your lifestyle. People do every day and every decade when inflation goes up. So you are in charge of your income. It's not what you make, it's what you keep. This is The Ken Coleman Show. We live in the wealthiest country in the world, you and I, Americans. Welcome to people who are watching from all around the world, listening from all around the world. But let me just say, as an American, I am grateful for our country and the opportunity for prosperity. I still think it's the greatest place in the world to live and, and pursue your dreams. Uh, but wealthy is a very interesting word. You know, we've talked a lot about wealthiness. You know, is it all about income? Is it all about money? Is it also relationships and and purpose and work is it also being wealthy relationally and, and and wealthy professionally in that we we have a sense that we are so rewarded at work the reward of work can make us feel wealthy I absolutely believe that but let's break this down I've got an interesting uh, uh, article here what is wealthy in 2023 there are five numbers we're gonna walk through. And this is fascinating. Where do you stand on this? Now, this is important not to create a, a sense of keeping up with the Joneses. But this is also to put in perspective how good you're doing or how much better you would like to be doing. Okay? That's why I'm doing this. This is not a comparison game. It's how am I doing? Am I doing really well? Probably you are compared to the rest of the world. Okay? But... You might say, I'm not doing as well as I would like. So let's look at this. First, 
and, and, and Alice, I get killed on social media when I say people are making plenty of money right now. They're like, they're like, you're out of touch. Rah, 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 rah. Meanwhile, you know, they're up there, their eyeballs and credit card debt and student loan debt, you know, driving around massive car payments. I'm not out of touch. Ask me how many car payments I have, Alex. Zero. By the way, the team knows this. So, I have a car. By the way, it's a 2013. It's a 2013 Mercedes. The smallest one, C250. I'm not driving a Bentley. It's 2013. I'm going to let it all hang out today. You know how much I paid for that car, guys? I paid $16,000 for it. That's not a lot. It's a great little car. 2013, luxury cars like Mercedes and BMW, their value drops because their owners are always re-upping. So if you want to get a nice little luxury car, you can. Now, they are more expensive to pay, take care of. My guy Joe Hankin knows that. You know, the Mercedes and Beamer are going to cost you a lot more. But they're great freaking cars. And... If you're willing to drive an older version, by the way, my car is fabulous. Runs like a top, Alex. It's in great shape. I paid 16 grand for it. An old couple had it. So I just want to lay this out there. I'm not some super rich guy. I'm not. I'm wealthy. I think I'm wealthy. We're going to find out if I'm wealthy in just a moment. But I feel like I'm wealthy. But I also am driving a 2013 car that's paid for. My wife drives a, I'm trying to think of the year. I think she drives a 2015 Acura MDX. Okay. You ready for this? I had to buy my kid a car. I got three kids. I had to buy Ty a car. He's got a 2012 Ford Explorer. I got two more kids, Chase and Josie, next year, 2024, Alex. Both of them come online with driver's license. And I've got an old, beautiful, classic convertible Carmen Ghia that my dad gave me. He gave it to me. I spent about five grand fixing it up. I'm going to have six cars. Six. Good Lord, pray for me. The auto insurance alone, Bob. It's crazy. All right. So I'm just letting you know, like, those of you who are going to come at me right now like I'm out of touch, I'm not. I live on less than I make. I got a lot of expenses. Cry me a river. You make enough. You just got to change your lifestyle. You, By the way, you know why I can't drive a $50,000 car? Because I got to buy cars for freaking teenagers. That's why. All right. Median household wealth. Hit $192,000 last year that's up 37 percent since 2019 so folks income is up all the snowflakes killing me on social media when they put these clips out it's up it's not my opinion it's up but so are is credit card debt yes are things more expensive yes but for crying out loud that next door millionaire everyday millionaires they're they they're living on less than they make now, inflation has hit a 40-year high, steepest market 22 years. I get it. That was in 2022. It has abated a little bit in 2023. In a recent survey of 2,000 Americans, 
by LendingTree. 59% said they do not believe they will ever become wealthy. Wow. That's what I want to take on. 59% of Americans go, I'll never be wealthy. Now, we're going to break this down. What is wealth? Here we go. Five numbers that define wealth in 2023. First, $2.6 million. Write it down. $2.6 million. This sum represents the net worth of the median American family in the upper 10% of income. So if we were to say that the upper 10%, the top 10% of families in America, we'd say they're probably wealthy. So what is it? Their net worth, the median net worth is $2.6 million. All right, next, $483,000. That's our next number, number number two. This is how much Americans believe they would need to earn in a year to be rich. $483,000. That's what Americans say. If I make $483,000 this year, I'm rich. Does that number surprise anybody? Very random, $483,000. Like, why not round it up to four eighty-five? dollars You know? I mean, it's so random. But. This number, $483,000, is six times the $75,000 average salary earned by full-time workers. Now, that was the average in 2021. Now, these numbers have bumped up a little bit, but they're in close enough range. 72% of Americans said they feel financially insecure because of lingering inflation. And they think, I got to make more money. If I could get to 483, I'm sitting pretty. By the way, very few people ever sniff that number. Next number, $2.2 million. This is how much net worth an American needs to be considered wealthy, according to Charles Schwab. It's an annual survey. You expect it to go up a little bit every year, but you'd be wrong. Back in 2020, $2.6 was the number that Americans said they needed. That net worth, net worth, so $2.6 meaning I have assets equaling $2.6 million Okay, that's what people are saying. If I have two point six million retirement accounts, a house, whatever, then I'm considered wealthy. Next number, five hundred sixty thousand. This is the average net worth of Americans who actually feel wealthy. So nearly half of Americans feel wealthy, and I like this number because I go, good for you. You should feel wealthy if you're making uh, good enough money to have a net worth. Now that's not the million dollar net worth. And it fell short of the $2.2 million they aspire to and the two point six they think says, I'm actually there. And then lastly, $1 million. The term millionaire may have lost some of its luster, but it remains a benchmark. It's a magic number for a lot of people. I am a millionaire. You remember the show with Regis Philbin? Who wants to be a millionaire? But again, the definition of a net worth millionaire is... If I look at what I own versus what I owe, if my assets that I own equal to a million dollars, I am a net worth millionaire. It does not mean you're making a million dollars a year. And interestingly enough, Ramsey Solutions did the largest study ever on net worth millionaires. Third largest group of net worth millionaires were teachers. The median income for teachers in the United States is now $63,000. It can be done. So why do I share this? We're talking about money. And I want you to know what other people think is wealthy. But I'm going to tell you something right now. 
wherever you fall in those five numbers, I promise you, you can be wealthy whether you hit those numbers or not. And a big part of it is having no debt and living below your means so that you aren't stressed out of your mind. That is the key. Understand that. So it's not what you make. It's what you keep. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.